This episode is brought to you by Roundtable Group, the experts on experts. We've been connecting attorneys with experts for over 25 years. Find out more at roundtablegroup.com. Welcome to Discussions at the Roundtable. I'm your host, Noah Balmer, and today I'm excited to welcome Thomas McCloskey to the show. Mr. McCloskey is a litigation consultant for the Insurance Expert Network, for which he has testified in over 200 cases. He is a contributing author for a number of training materials, including tax, industry publications, and courses. Mr. McCloskey is an expert in insurance contracts, operation, practice and procedure, and a lot more. Mr. McCloskey, thank you so much for joining me here today. Happy to be here. Uh, let's jump into it. You've been an uh, insurance adjuster and a consultant for decades. Uh, how did you get started and how did that transition into expert witnessing? Um, I started in claims as uh, a result of a dystopian city I'm near. Uh, my sister was uh, a claim supervisor and needed to have her adjusters escorted into the city. And after a few times of doing that, I called her back and I said, it would be okay if I didn't take those kids before. You know, they're going to get themselves. They don't pay attention. And <laughs> so I started at that point inspecting cars. And that's how I got started. Uh, at the end of my career, I was an executive general adjuster and uh, worked on a nationwide basis. So let's talk about expert witnessing. Is, is that something that you were looking to get into? Is that, did you get a call out of the blue? Actually did get a call out of the blue. Uh, Akush, who at, uh, at that time owned IEN, and I uh, shared a group, uh, a discussion group online of, uh, involving risk management. And Akush called me and asked me if I would be willing to serve as an expert witness. And I said, sure, why not? And uh, that's about, I was trying to decide. I'm thinking it's 17, 18 years ago now uh, that we started this. I, I testified uh, a number of times uh, in defense of uh, State Farm Insurance, for example, when I was working there, I also had to uh, testify and be deposed on the files I handled. I handled very large files and very complicated files. And uh, that would very often result in litigation uh, or at least my deposition being taken. Let's talk about, and I know that has been a while, but let's talk about some of those first calls. Uh, what were the sorts of questions that they asked? Uh, and did you feel kind of prepared for your first engagements in the process? Yes. Yeah, it was fine. It was, uh, I don't remember exactly what it was, but it was pretty routine claim stuff. Uh, people were asking. We didn't get into really exciting things for, uh, uh, for quite a while. Uh, 2008, uh, I did my first uh, uh, class action uh, where an insurance company was being sued by a large group of people retained by the insurance company to help with their defense. So there, there's a couple types of expert witnesses and there's a couple types of, of uh, jobs you can do as an expert witness, I should say. There's consulting witnesses and of course there's testifying witnesses. Do you have experience with both? And if so, which do you prefer? I really don't uh, prefer either. Uh, I enjoy doing them both. I've been retired uh, about, let me think, 10 years now. And, and so I do this uh, one, because it keeps me involved in my profession and uh, it keeps the gray matter stirred in my head and forces me to keep up with the industry. So I had uh, a consulting witness for Amazon, for example. We've also done a couple of files where litigation was already ongoing 
and I was asked to review uh, other experts' reports and uh, write rebuttal reports or at least prepare the attorney to go in for deposition. Are there any real differences in how you approach those different types of uh, expert witnessing engagements? Do you approach a purely consulting expert witness engagement different than you would one that you're going to testify in? No, they both require me to do the same steps. Uh, I need to see the file material. I need to read it, annotate it, internalize it, and be prepared to be asked anything within the four corners of the litigation. So it's a lot of reading, a lot of note-taking to get prepared. I need to know the case uh, as well and sometimes better than the attorney What are some of the strategies that you use to kind of uh, acquaint yourself with the case? Do you just read, sift through all of the material? Do you have long conversations with the attorney? (laughs) What is, what's, what's your preparation process before you get started on the report when you're just getting, you know, everything together? I start out first reading all of the filings with the court and I make notes uh, on who's doing what, who, you know, that sort of thing. Uh, then I look at their proofs uh, that they've submitted to the court to see if I agree or disagree. And the whole time I've got my trusty legal pad next to me with a pen and I'm writing questions. Who did this? Why are we doing that? Why did you do that? Learning the thing. Uh, I have to put myself in a position of actually uh, being in the middle of the litigation. Experts can be called in kind of at any point during a case. I'm sure that you've been brought in at the beginning, middle, and near the end. Um, Do you ever find yourself kind of scrambling to get the attorney what they want in time, or do you feel that you typically are given an adequate amount of time to do your job? It depends on the attorney. My pet peeve is the attorney who knew for a year or more that he was going to need an expert witness who waits till the last two weeks and then sends you a very large box of material uh, and says, here, ingest this and get me a report and I need it in five days. It it just can't (laughs) be done. I'll send it back, I really will. Nope, I'm sorry, I'm not your guy. You need adequate time to do it. And when people cut you that small amount of time, uh, I think they're being somewhat disrespectful uh, in that they, they assume what you do is so mundane and simple that you should be able to uh, shake all of their papers and have an opinion for them. The other attorney I dislike even more is the one who wants to write my report. Uh, I don't play customer golf. I'm going to tell you honestly what I think. Uh, It makes my life a lot easier, particularly as I said earlier, uh, you went for a deposition, you could almost plan on that attorney on the other side of the table has already looked up every deposition you've given in the last five years and has highlighted them and is going to ask you about. It's like my mom taught me, if you're going to tell the truth, you don't have to have a great memory. Uh, (laughs) And this is is something you really need to do. But the attorney who who wants to write my report now, I'm sorry, uh, you're asking me to play customer golf. I'm not going to do it. This is my opinion based on this. This is why I think this. If you're not happy with it, you probably want to see my report to pay my bill. Yeah, that's that's a good pivot point into ethics. Let's talk about that for a minute. Is that something that comes up a lot uh, throughout your career? Have you had a lot of attorneys who kind of want to nudge you to say something in a particular way or even whole cloth, like you said, generate a report for you to slap your name on? 
I've had it happen, but I try to set that expectation in the very beginning with that phrase. I do not play customer call. Uh, I will read your case. I will tell you what I think. I have on occasion uh, called an attorney because I knew what they were going, where they were going and said to him, you don't want to see a report from me. You just want to pay my bill. And you don't want to discuss with me what I think uh, because I can't support your position. Uh, I think you're absolutely wrong. On the other hand, uh, if, if usually if you leave me alone, I'll come to a conclusion that's fair for everybody. How can you avoid this in the vetting process before it happens? When you're having those initial phone calls with the attorneys, what steps can you take as an expert witness? And what do you recommend that newer experts do to avoid finding themselves in those positions? You need to make it very clear in the beginning that your opinion is not really for sale. I will tell you what I think. I will not give you my professional reputation. I have known expert witnesses that played customer golf. Uh, they didn't last long. Um, some of the things they say are so intensely stupid that uh, you know you just you want to fall over. No, he didn't really say that, did he? Uh, it, yeah, he really did. Uh, it's it's a good thing to keep in mind. I have been fortunate, based on my uh, reports, I can think of three cases where the attorney got a summary judgment. Didn't even have to try the darn thing. Walked in, they presented their case. He stood up and said, nope. And the judge said, I agree. And put them out of there with summary judgment. Uh, I can think of one attorney who was absolutely shocked by that. He said in his career, he'd never had one. You have to remember that everything you say as an expert witness is available to other folks. You know, they can look you up on online they have legal services that can look you up. Uh, so you, you need to be very careful what you do and what you say. You have been in enough actions that you've done some testifying, you've done some cross-examinations. Have you ever used techniques like mock cross-examinations? And if so, do you find that helpful? No, I did in one case, uh, the law firm uh, was in Austin, Texas, and uh, they rather insisted on putting me through that. Um, and later I learned that the reason they did it was they had three other expert witnesses who were sitting in the room watching and they said to them, watch and learn, you know, so it's, it was that sort of thing, but no, I don't, don't get that wrapped up in it. I, I read, I make my notes, I annotate, I ask my questions from that. I form my opinion. Uh, and, you know, and, and we try very hard to be as comprehensive with my reading and research as I can be. But it's, it's very difficult to, uh, if you will, envision a cross-examination. Cross-examinations can be very good. They can be very bad. They can be incredibly stupid. Uh, <laughs> so one of the things I think the major difference, I've testified often enough and spent enough of my life around attorneys that they don't frighten me. And that's a mistake a lot of expert witnesses make. They're frightened of attorneys. Hmm. Uh, and in terms of cross-examinations and that sort of thing, they come in a couple of varieties. Uh, the one most commonly I see is the, the rude person who uh, has some sort of speech impediment that you can only start speaking in the middle of one of your sentences. And i am only suffered that a few times before I bring it to an end. I try very hard to bring it to an end. Uh, 
probably the uh, worst guy I ran across was down in Texas. And he just did this over and over and over again. And finally, I just treated him like a child. I handed him my pen. This is how I do this with the kids. When you're holding the pen, you talk, I'll listen. Then you give me the pen, I'll talk and you listen. And, uh, but that's a tactic. You know, they want to uh, uh, shout, yell, carry on, walk around rooms, stand on their head. Ignore it, it's theatrics. And, uh, you know, it's, it's fine, go ahead. Doesn't bother me. The other one is the guy who is the snake and uh, he wants to lead you down the garden path uh, and then jump out of the bush at you. Ah, isn't it true? No, we never say anything like that. Where'd you get this idea? And, uh, you know, so you, you really can't prepare yourself for these people. Most of them are pretty professional. Most of them are pretty straightforward. You do a little bit of uh, background research on the attorneys and experts that you're quote unquote going up against. Overall, overall, Noah, I don't see myself as representing a cause or being anti a cause. Okay. My job is to say to the trier of fact, be it the judge or a jury, this is how it's supposed to work. This is how it works professionally. This is how it works within the industry. And this is what happened and let them decide the import of that. But I do not represent anybody in my mind other than that trier of fact. And you know, if, if it's uh, supportive of your position, great. And if it's not, great. I'm sorry. This is what I believe. You can't sell your soul. And too many people will. Let's talk about positive experiences with attorneys. Um, do you have any either stories or kind of takeaways from good experiences that you've had that other that you wish that more attorneys would uh, be like or do or prepare in a certain way? What makes you and an attorney a better team, a better fit for an engagement? Well, we have to understand that the attorney is representing somebody He's not the be-all and end-all, he or she, or not the end-all and be-all in this case. Uh, so you have to accept the idea that that the uh, attorney may well have to pull the plug on the case when you and I both, he, he and I both agree, you know, that no, no, this is one that's very defendable. The really good attorney simply gives me the information and doesn't try to push me in one direction or another. Um, that works best. And they answer the questions, and I try not to waste their time. As I said, I'll write my list of questions, call and ask, and then get off their phone. You know, they're, they we're, we're spending a lot of time. The very worst is the attorney that lies to you. Um, I had an attorney uh, twice, two of them, that uh, uh, told me less than truthful things, which puts me off in a direction I shouldn't be. Uh, one of them forgot to tell me that the claim was denied, that this was post-denial. Whole different set of circumstances than what I was directed to believe. Uh, so it's the good attorneys are the ones who give you the information and let you go sit down with it and do what you're going to do. The other thing that they do, is that the really good attorneys will loan you their clerical staff. Uh, you, do your, you do your report. You do your report. You forward it in to the attorney. The attorney gives it to his clerical staff who goes through, corrects your spelling, your Santex, and puts it in third party and personal, send it back to you, and you can approve or disapprove of it, then send the thing back. They put it in final form. You sign that one. Sure. Uh, so 
the attorney who will loan you as clerical staff is 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 a good thing but mostly just just give me the information ask me the question and let me answer the question do you feel that uh, some attorneys overwhelm you with information before the case? I've heard from a couple experts that sometimes they're given a lot of superfluous documentation um, when they're first engaged. Is that something that you've, uh, that you've experienced? Well, unfortunately, you have to at least look at it. And uh, right. if you tell these folks you're going to charge them, I don't know, a penny a page uh, or something along that line, a minute a page is more like it. Uh, I'm going to charge you a minute a page to go through this stuff. You'd be surprised how they'll skinny that file down. You know, <laughs> send me the stuff that's important. Send me factual information. And yeah, they do. I've had attorneys who sent me uh, two bankers boxes full of material. So what am I going to do with this? You know, this doesn't, doesn't address what we're doing. So, but still, I have to go through and look. Before we wrap up, do you have any last tips for newer expert witnesses or attorneys working with experts? I would tell people who are going to work as litigation consultants, which is how I prefer to refer to it, you have to have a good grounding in your field. You have to have your own opinions. Do not sell your soul. Do not sell your name. Um, the expression a friend gave me many years ago is don't cut your face. And if you cannot support uh, somebody's position, tell them quickly. Uh, tell them quickly. If what they're doing is silly, please tell them. I had a, I had a man call and he wanted me to become involved uh, as an expert witness for his client. And it became clear very quickly his client had committed arson. You really don't want to talk to me about this. You know, you want, want me to stay away from this. You've done a crime. I don't want to, I don't want to help you out. So don't cut your face. Don't wait, stray from your ethics. And there'll be other cases. The other thing to tell you, you're going to get fired. Sooner or later, somebody's going to fire you. Don't, don't take it personally. Sage advice. Mr. McGlosky, thank you so much for joining me here today. You're welcome, Noah. And thank you so much to our listeners for joining me for another discussion at the Roundtable. Cheers. Thank you for listening to our podcast, Discussions at Roundtable. Our show notes are available on our website, roundtablegroup.com. Subscribe today on Apple Podcasts or your favorite listening apps. 